Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Volume. What up, y'all? It's Snaps, presented by FanDuel. Football season's here, and you already know there's no better place to get in on the action than, you guessed it, FanDuel. As far as the app itself goes, look, it's safe, it's easy, it's secure. I've been using it for a while now. There's always great exclusive offers. Dude, on Thursday night, you get a free $10 same game parlay. Like, it's completely free. If you lose, you get that money back to bet again with. And when you do win, you'll get paid fast, which is very important. Because you can win in a lot of ways, right? Spread, money line, over, unders, totals, futures, props, all of it, same game parlays. It's all there for you. The live betting, you can even live bet same game parlays. What are we talking about here? So use the promo code SNAPS and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this football season. SNAPS! Ah. Must be 21 and present in select states only. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342. Arizona, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. Colorado, Indiana, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700. Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net. West Virginia. Everyone, welcome into Snaps, a Saturday afternoon edition of Snaps. Uh, I'm your host, T-Bob Bear. So happy to be here and happy to see a lot of new faces in here already today. Uh, we got a lot of Michigan fans showing up. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to have too many Buckeyes in the chat today. A lot of go blue in here. We got the Cannon Murder tape plays, Lord Grimm, Prince Philip, Philip Turner one time. Taylor Ackley, the list goes on and on. Uh, shout out to everybody hanging out here in the Volume Sports YouTube channel. Hit the like button, subscribe, you know, all those things that kind of 
please the algorithmic gods that rule our existence. And if you're first listening to Snaps, me and uh, Aaron Murray, uh, SEC quarterbacking legend, do this every single day. It's so much fun. Uh, but today, here, here's kind of my plan for today. I'm going to let, let a couple minutes go, get, get some people in here, just like literally about two minutes, give you some scores and whatnot. Uh, but then we're going to dive deep on Ohio State, Michigan, because when you look at the rhythm of this game, it is one of the more odd that I have ever seen. And 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 I think it's kind of fascinating to break down in, in what it tells you about Michigan and in what it tells you about Ohio State as well. Uh, we will also talk a little South Carolina Clemson as the Tigers fall to the Gamecocks, Beamer ball, getting it done uh, in the end. Like always, it's insane. Um, Lord Grimm says, remember guys, we got two fluke wins now this time. There was no weather. Yeah, it is kind of, uh, well, it's, I just, I, I did not see that happening. It's been a great rivalry college football this far. Uh, Mississippi State winning the Egg Bowl 24-22. All of a sudden you look up, uh, we've thought about oh, oh, Ole Miss, and I think my chair is actually shrinking, bro. <laughs> Are you seeing this? Yes, it my is. Chair. you're doing like the my Austin chair. Powers, like. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, let me, okay, that is. Much, much more. There you go. Okay. okay, here we go, folks. I was like, am I hitting a Saigon squat? Um, yo, Blake Walters, what up, man? Uh, okay, let's get into it. Like I said, hell of a rivalry week thus far, but I want to dive uh, straight into this Ohio State-Michigan game. As Let's like look at the rhythm of this game. It is fascinating to me because early on, and I mean very early in this game, Ohio State looked – as if they were about to roll. I mean, they're eight and a half point favorites coming in. They're at home. It's beautiful weather. Like all of the elements seem to be pointing towards Ohio State pregame. And then they come out there and the first couple of drives, they look dominant. I mean, that opening drive where they scored a touchdown, they made it look so easy. Just bing, bang, boom. CJ Stroud not even stressing. And then you have Michigan out there. And, and it was wild because already after each team had just had the ball one time, the difference in the game felt as if it was going to be C.J. Stroud versus J.J. McCarthy. And the difference felt massive, right? Like the first couple drives, uh, Michigan felt so limited by McCarthy and by what he could do while Ohio State felt so dynamic. And one of the reasons why I keep talking about how wild this game was is because I could not have known just how wrong that take would end up being over the ensuing three and a half hours. So like I said, Ohio State looked damn strong early on, but Michigan made a couple of key plays to kind of stabilize, right? Let's get the patient under control. Let's get the heart rate down and let's start to lean on them a bit. Uh, obviously they get the 49 yard field goal on the first drive. That was absolutely massive. Um, and then when it looks like Ohio State might march down and score again to make it 14 to three, uh, you end up holding to a field goal to keep it at 10 to three. And so, and so you have the Wolverines defense stepping up. Uh, they managed to get a couple stops in Ohio State. And that's when things started to get weird. Because again, let's go back to what we thought about this game going into it. Not only did it look like a lot of the elements were in Ohio State's favor, but one of the main elements was supposed to be the Ohio State skill positions. Michigan wanted to run the ball. They were nothing more than Blake Corum when it came to running the ball. Well, they didn't even have Blake Corum today. Like, that's how crazy this is, is that I, for, I kind of forgot that until this moment. That's how dominant Blue ended up being. But going into the game, right, they were only running the ball, and it was all about Blake Corum, and they didn't have him. So surely 
they should have faltered. Surely Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Abuka, all of these Ohio State weapons, they were just going to lean on you and they were going to be the difference in the game. That's why I say it gets weird because after the Wolverines stabilize, all of a sudden it was the Michigan skill players who started to be the difference in the game, right? Like Ohio State came out with a very clear game plan. We're going to rely on our DBD or on our DBs to win their one-on-ones, and we're going to sell out to stop the run. A lot of times, I'd even given them safety help over the top, right? A lot of cover zero. And McCarthy, credit to him, well, he may feel limited in some of the aspects of more traditional quarterback play. He's not afraid to go deep. He's not afraid to sling that thing. And so all of a sudden, uh, they're selling out to stop the run. Well, McCarthy and the receivers make them pay. Um, now, where this gets a bit odd, at the same time, it was Ohio State who was running the ball all over the place. As uh, you, you will never guess this, if you look at the final box score, uh, this will this will blow your mind. Um, oh, and I finally have the full second half stats here. Okay, okay, listen to this, y'all. This this is what I'm talking about. When you were talking about this game flipping on its head, I, I've never seen anything like this. In the first half, Ohio State had 124 rush yards to Michigan's 10. Michigan had 11 carries for 10 yards, 0.9 yards per carry. In the second half, that number flips to Michigan, 242 yards on the ground, and Ohio State 19. You want to talk about an offensive line taking over a game? You want to talk about an offensive line just leaning on you till they break you? It gives me goosebumps to think about. So from 10 yards to 242 for Michigan, averaging under one yard to carry to averaging 10 yards to carry, Ohio State goes from 124 to 19. Goes from averaging six yards to carry to two. That is some insane, insane um, winning in the trenches from that Michigan football team. Now, I think where it gets interesting is the only reason why Michigan was able to get away with that was because of what we just talked about. The skill players in the first half stepping up and making the three big deep touchdowns to basically change up what Ohio State wanted to do, um, what Ohio State wanted to do defensively, right? Because Ohio State, like we said, they were selling out. Then all of a sudden, they get beat over the top a couple times. Well, then they have to back off a little bit, and that's when you started to see in the second half that run game start to pop more and more and more. And as far as J.J. McCarthy goes, it was really enthralling to watch him continue to ascend while C.J. Stroud continued to descend. Like, there is no doubt when it comes to the NFL, when it comes to just kind of football in general, like, there's no doubt uh, J.J. McCarthy is not as good of a traditional quarterback as um, C.J. Stroud. I didn't even need to put, like, quotes there. That, that's just that's true, right? But today, on this day, his feel for the game flow, uh, his feel and ability to make the plays in the biggest moment, uh, whether it's deciding when to run versus when to pass, whether it's finding a way to get in the end zone on third and goal when he just runs in front of his blocker and barrels a guy over to make sure that he gets six, uh, going for deep balls on third and long to get key pass interferences because once again your receivers are getting behind him because you had to try to sell center at the run again. Like he was really fantastic at taking whatever Michigan, excuse me, whatever Ohio State was giving him today. And on the other hand, like like McCarthy kind of grew into this game. He got better and better. 
as this game went on. The game flow started to to warp around him. He started creating almost like a whirlpool effect, and his opponent, C.J. Stroud, looked like he was caught in that whirlpool. Like, he looked confused as hell. And it's not hard to see why. No, I don't know the exact coverages that Michigan was playing. That's probably the weakest part of me um, breaking down film in general, but especially even watching games live is uh, I never played quarterback at a high level. I have a very rudimentary understanding of coverage. But even with that, I think we can all appreciate if you get pressure with just your front three or four and you can commit seven to eight guys in coverage, well, that is a position that literally every single uh, defensive coach wants to be in. It's so easy to call plays when that is the case. And that's exactly what Michigan was doing. Their DBs were up to the task of shutting down Ohio State's weapons and then allowing that D-line to end up getting home. And and, and again, like I said, I'm sure they're doing some nice coverage tricks, some disguising of the coverages because Stroud looked confused. Stroud is a quarterback and, and, and really Ryan Day's offense in general as an offense and a quarterback that you are very used to seeing in, in, in ruthlessly efficient rhythm, right? Where it's back foot out, back foot out, back foot out. And it's just, it just feels like a machine just chugging right along. Well, in this game, most times CJ Stroud was hitting his back foot and he was, you know, he's kind of tapping the ball. He's kind of pumping a little bit. He's looking around. He's panicking a little bit. And it was sometime in the third quarter where all of a sudden Ohio State felt throttled. And that, my friends, you already know what happened. And that is when the tight butthole started. And you could feel it in the crowd, in the team, uh, everyone in that stadium, really. Every single person in that stadium cheering for Ohio State, playing for Ohio State, supporting Ohio State, started to give in to Phobos the god of fear. Now, the ancient Greeks and Romans, they talk about Phobos almost like he was um uh like 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 an insidious disease when they talk about it on the battlefield, right? One person starts to panic. One person starts to get a little uneasy and suddenly the man next to him does. And then and then and then it starts to spread like wildfire. Like that's how armies break on the ancient battlefield. That's literally what happened to Ohio State in this third quarter. You could feel the puckering Feel the panic, and next thing you know, uh, they 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 couldn't do anything right. Right, Ryan Day's cheeks got rosier than ever. Uh, dumb penalties from Ohio State, unsportsmanlike conducts, um, fans shaking their head in utter disgust. It was uh, a, a sight to behold. It, it, it was literal fear and panic taking over, and Michigan like a shark smelling blood in the water or a wolf sensing fear. I mean, they freaking left at it. They left at it. And fear is the opposite of how Jim Harbaugh called this game. And I want to be clear about that because I think Jim Harbaugh took some very clear and discernible risks that paid huge dividends for this uh, Michigan football team. Um, it, to take the lead right at the beginning of the second half, right? A major drive that you had to have to start the second half. Uh, he goes for it on four. Now it's like fourth and half a yard. I get it, you know, fourth and short, but he goes for it on fourth and short from about his own 25. You don't get that. That's deep shit time right there. Okay. Like that's deep trouble, but you get it. What happens? And, and, and he didn't hesitate. It became fourth and short. They hurried up immediate line snap. Like there was no question about eh, eh, no hesitation, no fear. Um, they go on to score a touchdown that drive. They take the lead. 
Um, then uh, the really probably the drive that broke Ohio State in a lot of ways that really just led to Phobos running wild through the Ohio State sideline. Uh, there was a very long drive, Brum. I don't know if you could find it. It was either early, late third, early fourth. It seemed like it lasted about 20 plays. But in the middle of it, they had a linebacker, Kalel Mullins, who because of injuries, they moved to running back this week. On third and one, and got to have a third one, they let a linebacker playing running back, Kalel Mullins. He's been playing linebacker for three years at Michigan as well. This is not like some freshman or something. He's been a linebacker for three years. They let him go at running back and throw a jump pass on the got to have it third Incredible. one. They later, they, they later take, they later score a touchdown to take the lead 31 to 20. And, and then look, and some people are criticizing Harbaugh for this, but I love it. Um, he tried a 57-yard field goal. I, I think it would have worked with a better snap. Um, if you look closely, you saw the holder had to spin the ball. It was a pretty aggressive spin because the laces were in, um, which that's on the snap. And I think that ended up throwing it off just enough. I think I think it's Mooney is his name. Like I, I, the Lou grows when he's great. I thought I thought I thought he had it, but like I don't care if he made it or not. The aggression to go for the throat and kick that 57-yarder and trust your defense. If you give Ohio State field position. Um, that is in keeping with the general aggression that Jim Harbaugh showed throughout the day. And, and I think that's one of the key reasons why you emerge and uh, Michigan is now maybe going to be like number two. I mean, yeah, probably should, will be, yes, will be number two. I, I guess I would say maybe number one, but I don't know what George would have to do to, to, to drop. But um, so just fantastic stuff. And, and, and look, and, and the best part about all of this, because I used to play O-line, Right. So um, when I watch football and the ball is snapped, I don't watch the quarterback drop back. I rarely watch like one on one battles um, between wide receivers and DBs. I watch the line. I, th I think it's like until you see the ball move, I think watching the line is the most interesting way to watch football because you see all these crazy individual battles. Early on, Ohio State's selling out stuff to run. They're getting the best of that Michigan O line. But like I said, a few big plays, a defense playing very well against that elite Ohio State offense. And in the end, I've always described this, great O-line play is like erosion, okay? I want you to think back to like your, 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 your social studies class, or I guess your science, like your seventh grade science class, where you learn about erosion, right? Like on, on like some rocks or something, where uh, the, the waves are beating these rocks constantly, and these rocks start, they're very jagged, very dangerous. Over time, they get worn down. They get made smooth by the sheer pressure over time of the water. Well, that's exactly what this Michigan O-line did. That first half that Ohio State defense was very jagged. They were holding their shape, but they got leaned on, and they got leaned on, and they got leaned on. And you're talking about a group that won the Joe Moore last year. We said it coming into this week. Yes, Ohio State may have more NFL O-linemen, but nobody's unit plays better as a fist, as a group of five, then that Michigan O-line, and you felt him lean, lean, lean. It's like a boxer, body shot, body shot, body shot. And then next thing you know, I mean, maybe the guy's face isn't even that beat up, but he's dead. He can't move. He can't breathe. And you start ripping off 75-yard touchdown runs. I mean, I got goosebumps thinking about it. That sort of O-line play, that sort of leaning on the opponent, and then just the ultimate breaking of the will. It's a thing to behold. It is one of the most beautiful parts about football. Uh, likely one of the most underrated parts about football is, is, is watching that happen. And if you've ever felt that, 
and again, it doesn't have to be in football, in any form of competition, if you have ever felt you break the will of your opponent, um, it's like a drug. I mean, it's a high that you will chase for your entire life. Uh, because it is so empowering, so enriching. You see why these ancient warriors back in the day used to commit themselves to like deeds of honor. Because once you get a taste of that dominance, you just want more. And Ohio State got, excuse me, Michigan got a taste of that dominance last year in the big house. But it was in the snow, it was in the big house, yada, yada. Well, what do they come back this year? They said, you know what? We liked it so much last year. Give me another hit, okay? And I don't care. If it's going to be uh, in the shoe or whatever, I don't care if it's going to be a beautiful day. I don't care if we don't have Blake Corum. I don't care that we haven't played anybody hard yet this season that Illinois almost got us. I don't care about any of that shit. The only thing I want to do is like, it's like freaking Arnold says in Conan. Okay. What is best in life to drive your enemies before you and hear the lamentations of their women. And that's exactly what Michigan did. And it was fucking awesome, dude. It really, really was. Just a fantastic, fantastic job by the Wolverines. And I could not uh, have flipped my opinion harder on this team. Not that I doubted them. I mean, I bet them today. I thought the game would be close and eight and a half was just a lot, right? But, like, I didn't expect this. And the manner in which they did it was so impressive. And really, when you look back at the last few years now, Harbaugh... His resurrection at Michigan is a sight to behold. And, and you know what? The Michigan Athletic Administration deserves a lot of credit for not giving it a public pressure, for staying the course, for saying, no, 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 even though the results maybe haven't been where we want them to be here in this middle portion, we believe we have our guy, we believe in his vision, and we believe that he can get us back. And now he has. It's, I mean, it, in all likelihood, Michigan will win the Big Ten two years in a row and go to the playoffs two years in a row. After losing Ohio State eight consecutive years longest losing streak in the rivalry's history i mean that is a renaissance from jim harbaugh there and for jj mccarthy um it's weird i'm kind of like i'm kind of still like i I don't know exactly what to make of him because like as a traditional quarterback i still don't think he's great but his just playmaking ability and game flow ability this store this game um just really really stood out to me and, and, and spoke volumes. And so, like, I, I, I don't know that I would take him over. Mm, let's see the other quarter. I mean, actually, I mean, pretty much, again, pretty much every other quarterback, I think you would end up being like, oh, yeah, I think I'd take him over J.J. McCarthy. But I, I, I will still, even on that scale, now give J.J. McCarthy a lot more credit than I, uh, than I would have. Yeah, what happens if Michigan and, like, USC meet up, dude? That USC front seven is going to get eaten alive. JLab has something for everyone with earbuds and headphones that are as versatile as you are. Perfect for calls, listening to podcasts, and working out. They are built for every single moment. JLab is proud to partner with powerhouse college athletics. UCLA, Duke, Gonzaga, Indiana, St. John's, TCU, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Minnesota, San Diego State, and more. From lively tailgates, to coaches' play calling and courtside rivalries to college athletics NIL deals. JLabs joins the action and connects with 182 million plus college sports fans nationwide. They're excited to partner with 17 D1 college schools showcasing their passion and loyalty 
of fans and athletes across the United States. Whether creating cutting-edge tech products or pursuing athletic greatness, being the best takes hard work and commitment. JLab is proud to partner with schools who are showcasing the hard work, perseverance, and even the championship celebrations across all college sports. Use code SNAPS25 for 25% off your order. Visit JLab.com to find your kind of tech. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's going to be like B fum When the old giant's talking about grinding Jack's bones to dust and making bread out of him. Yeah. I bet you, I bet you USC tastes like a Hawaiian roll. I'd eat that too, for sure. Um, so great job by Michigan. They're now going to, uh, the big 10 championship and Brian, my correct here. If Purdue beats Indiana this afternoon, they're into the big 10 championship with the that, Iowa loss to Nebraska. That is how I understand it as well. Okay. Uh, even though there'd be nothing funnier than Purdue losing. And I think sending Iowa back in to the big 10 championship either way. Um, yeah, you got me effed up if you think I'm about to bet against Michigan uh, uh, going into that Big Ten championship. And all of a sudden, like, what a statement for the playoff, too, right? Like, okay, we're gonna we 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 got some big dogs over here too. So it was a great day of Big Ten football and a really impressive game from Michigan. Uh, now it was not the only big game on the day, though, as you had South Carolina uh, beat Clemson. Uh, and 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 a game in which Clemson was rolling early on again another game that showed the value of in-game adjustments of believing in yourself of staying the course and, and to be clear I actually did not get to watch this one in the depth that I did Ohio State Michigan uh, I I gave Ohio State Michigan pretty much like ninety eight percent 
of the brain this afternoon, which I rarely do for any games that I'm not directly working on, like an LSU post game or something. Like, I just thought it was so fascinating watching these two heavyweights do battle. But at the corner of my eye, constantly checking in, and Clemson's up early, South Carolina fights back, and the just unreal, stupid, inexplicable uh, renaissance of Spencer Rattler continues. I, I just don't understand it. He's just so damn good all of a sudden. He, he, even throwing a pick on the one-yard line this game, um, he could just send it. Like, I don't know where this has been all year, and granted, I haven't watched South Carolina closely enough all year. I've checked in on them here and there, but every time I did, Rattler was very unimpressive, and the offense was very unimpressive. Today, at one point, Brum, I don't know where this ended up. Rattler had his longest completion of his career, not once but twice today, but at one point, on passes that went 20-plus yards in the air, these are low percentage passes. Rattler was six of nine for 248 and a touchdown. And then he started to heat up as the game went on and he started playing like a killer. Saying, let's be aggressive. Let's go kill them. Tell the wide receivers we got to get the nail in the coffin. And here at the end of the year, Shane Beamer has South Carolina playing some incredible football to end the season. Uh, I mean, to beat Tennessee and now Clemson in back to back weeks to. Um, you know, borderline playoff teams is a very fair way to describe that. That might be, Brum, you, you would be hard-pressed to find me a better series of two wins in South Carolina football history. Like, they do not have a very storied history. And so to beat two top 10 teams that are borderline playoffs, just an unbelievable job by Shane Beamer. And you got to love it. At the end of the game, uh, they actually close it out uh, by forcing a turnover on special teams. I mean, I And then cut what- to Frank. Uh, yeah, exactly. Dude. I mean, that was perfect. That was, perfect. but it's like, I don't know what the beamers do. They're like some sort of alchemists or arcane, uh, magic users where they have secrets that other coaches just do not have. Like they're up there with like John Harbaugh and stuff, but like their ability to efficient, to, to, to consistently create game changing separation in the special teams phase of the game kind of boggles the mind. And so, again, they come up with a huge turnover. South Carolina gets a big first down to just go ahead and make sure there's not even a play left for for Clemson. And uh, in the end, Clemson is who we thought they were, right? I mean, uh, what did we tell you, Brum? How many weeks ago was it now, like two months ago, when I was yelling about being a coxman? That, 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 that essentially South Carolina would be the last final hope for all of us who thought that Clemson was taking advantage of basically playing down against weak, lesser talented ACC Probably since week four after they beat Wake Forest. Yes, there we go, dude. So shout out to the Cox, dude, getting it done. It's like that speech from uh, Team America, World Police. Uh, hey, sometimes it's got to, well, I probably, uh, it might be too many curse words go into that. I will not. Uh, but if you've seen Team America, you know the analogy that I'm talking about. Great job by South Carolina. And Brum, I don't know about you, dude. The worst thing that I can say about uh, Clemson here is that it was 31-30, three minutes and 30 seconds left. They had 90 yards to drive the ball, and I cannot tell you how impossible that felt for DJ Uangale. Like, it, it was it was just it, – it, it just seemed insurmountable. Yeah, they, they, they well felt like a team of them. almost – like what I don't know what the opposite of destiny is, but that's yeah. how Clemson felt. Like, they, you no one believes – believed in like once they're up and they're rolling but any sort of tight battle no one believes in DJU no one no. believes in Dabo they have a no. 
long way to go to be, be to get back to the program they were four or five years ago. I mean, just not dynamic enough. Offensive making too many mistakes, like dropping balls. Playmakers not threatening enough. And then, uh, sure enough, they don't go the 90 yards to give the ball back to South Carolina. And at that point, South Carolina actually is giving it back to Clemson. And then, Beamer ball! And it marks the first win for South Carolina over Clemson since 2013. Um, Brom, I, 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 I feel like I'm going to bleed out my ears if I go too deep on hypothetical playoff scenarios. But what's wait? What's what? We can. Like, we can wait on all that. We, there's enough news. We can talk Matt Rule and we can talk Wayne Kiffin. Uh, I will say, though, Brum, you, 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 you gave me an awful omen right before the show began. I did. Uh, uh, an evil force thought vanquished the worst people in all of college football. Like a shadow or a cockroach rising from the cracks in the house. FanDuel has odds on Alabama playoffs in Natty again, don't they? They do. They have the fifth best odds to win the national title. Jesus Christ. You think they're dead, and then the Crimson Emperor, rearing from the grave, says, (laughs) not so fast. Uh, Yeah, so Bama has not been listed on FanDuel or the other major sports books, and now Bama is back. But let's let it play out. I'm excited to see where it goes, and I don't really feel like getting into hypothetical playoff talk right now. Um, hey, shout out FanDuel Sportsbook app. Shout out everybody hanging out with us in the chat. This is awesome, man. Um, but um, go ahead and use the promo code SNAPS. If you've never done that in the FanDuel Sportsbook app, like if you just signed up for the first time, got plenty of great deals going on constantly. They always got great deals going on there. That's where I do all my gambling. Um also, they're kind of the ones that make the show, right? So if you use that promo code, you show them directly that you're here because of that, and that helps. Like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please, 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 y'all. We really like how the podcast is going and what helps there. If you listen to the pod, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get them, um, rate it and review it, okay? The machines love that shit. Uh, if you five-star it, and then, you know, if you, if you really enjoy it like that. And 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 then, um, yeah, leave a little review. That really helps to spread the good word. And uh, as you can see, it's going to be a great week of snaps. Let's get into some of the other news of the day, though. So a really big early slate here on Saturday. Got me fired up for some late night. <laughs> oh, man, somehow Palpatine returned. Oh, a lot of people asked about this shirt. Yeah, this is probably my favorite shirt that I own. My wife got this for me randomly a couple years ago. I think it's called a Roosevelt which I apologize for the free advertising, Brum, but um, I do love this It's shirt. all good. It's an awesome shirt. You're free advertising every day you wear it. One would argue. Uh, yeah, I guess it's true. I guess it's true. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, have sales read out to Roosevelt. Um, all right, so the other big news. Hey, Brum, another thing we've been telling you for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's like the scene in Pulp Fiction. When you accidentally shoot someone in the back of your car, you got brains all over the car, you're at a really low point, who do you call? You call the Rolf, okay? The fixer, Matt Rule. Right now, Nebraska is a football program that essentially has uh, a poor young man's brains blown out all over the back of the car. It's disgusting. It's awful to watch. Now, you know, kind of a frisky finish here with Mickey and company, and and, and I am impressed with the job that Mickey Joseph did there, and I would hope that he would stick on staff with Matt Rule. Uh, Also, shout out Trey Palmer, former LSU uh, wide receiver, had a great year, over 1,000 yards uh, for Nebraska this year. But a program that nonetheless – am I I crazy in saying they have the longest 
bowless streak in the nation. There's maybe it's out of the Power Five teams. Uh, I can't exactly remember, but but you all know how bad it's been for Nebraska, right? One of the most storied programs in history. Well, what does Matt Rule do, bro? He takes over bad programs and he makes them good immediately. Well, kind of immediately. Normally, year one goes awful, um, which is going to be funny because I don't think there's going to be any excuses for year one to go awful this time around. But you call the fixer, you get Matt Rule in there. I think it makes too much sense. Don't tell me you can't recruit to Lincoln, okay? Because in the age of NIL, you can recruit to anywhere. Just pay people. If A&M can recruit to College Station, Nebraska can recruit to Lincoln. I keep saying this. I don't know if this is true, but I'm assuming that Warren Buffett and some of his cronies and his empire are big Nebraska football fans. I do not think money is going to be an option. Um, and so, look, I think it's a great day for Nebraska fans. Beating Iowa yesterday had to feel good. Now you get the number one target on your board in Matt Rule, a guy who, if he doesn't work, if nothing else, the AD could say, well, I don't know, man. Look at his resume. And I'm not talking about Carolina. I'm not talking about things in the NFL. That'd be a pointless thing to critique anyway because we see how um, there is no if, – like if a college coach goes to the NFL and fails and comes back to college, it's it's pretty much proven over time that if he was good in college, he'll be good there again. It's only guys getting their first opportunity in the league that sometimes you're not sure about. So, no, I think Matt Rule is kind of a sure bet, and I, I think he's going to be very good for Nebraska. And, uh, yeah, dude, I think – look, corn is hot right now. TikTok kid, uh, he's famous as hell over corn. Um, I, 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 Brum, you are a Matt Rule hater. Uh, so I want uh, you to dude, be, let's go with Downer. Be, be the devil's okay. Okay. Yes. Um, let's, let's go with splitting hairs and semantics. Sure. Uh, why are you doubting Matt rule to Nebraska? I am as a general philosophy thing. I am out on CEO coaches that do not have long track records of success. It would not be the hire I would make. That being said, I think it was probably the number one option on their board and probably has the highest level of success of anyone they could have realistically got. So it, I'm not saying it's, it would be ridiculous to say that Matt rule is a bad hire. It is not the hire that I would make. I do not expect him to have great levels of success there. Does that make sense? Uh, yes. Okay. But in saying not expecting to have great levels of success there, two things. Uh, are you saying that because of Matt Rule or because do you just doubt Nebraska overall? Like, because a lot of people just say that Nebraska isn't like just can't be Nebraska anymore because of how modern football works. Ne Nebraska will never be Nebraska anymore, but Nebraska could be Penn State. I think that's a realistic ceiling for them. Yeah. Okay. 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 So you're saying that you don't think Rule can get them to be in Penn State, though? Correct. That is what I'm saying. Okay, I'm just making sure that we're very clear on where we stand. Um, see, I think he can. I think he can. I think I think this is what he did at Temple when he took over, and they go two and ten, six and six, and ten four, ten three, and then at Baylor he takes over after Art Bryles goes one and eleven, seven and six, eleven and three, um, which does give him an overall record of forty seven and forty three. But not all near five hundred records are created equally. Like, especially given the context of taking over a bad Nebraska program, I will take this resume over, like, a Cristobal who's just middling everywhere he goes every single year. Um, con man Cristobal. Uh, so, Matt Rule, Nebraska, I've been telling you for weeks, ho, ho, Husker. 
Uh, I think Christmas comes early for Nebraska fans. I think this is exactly what they wanted. I think it's a great hire. Um, on the other hand, it seems like Lane Kiffin is staying in Oxford. Now, do we have a pen to paper yet, bro? Lane Kiffin has told reporters he is he is signing, he's staying on the mess and he has signed an extension. The terms have been leaked, but I do not believe we have pen to paper. Uh, what are the terms? Eight years, 72. Oh, yeah. So Which I believe is the, oh, yeah. probably always... a similar deal that Matt Rule's going to get at Nebraska because it's reported that he also has eight years. What did you say uh, whenever you have the chance to give a coach more years than seasons, than winning seasons they have? You got to do it. That w- And that is, again, <laughs> the whole entire crux of my anti-Matt Rule argument. Hey, Matt Rule has three winning seasons. But again, Brum, it's the context. He took right, over. No, I, I'm not. No I, no, I understand that. But then again. You see my point. I do not think my <laughs> do, point is ridiculous. No, no, I do see your point. I do see your point. And, and, and maybe you're right, right? Maybe, like, can he capture that magic a third time in a row? Um, only time will tell right now. The list of great uh, college coaches who have lots of success at three places is a short list. Uh, that's true. But but we never really – and I guess that's the problem with the rule that makes him more exciting and more worrisome is we never really got to see his story play out. Right. So we don't know what really would have happened at Baylor. Would there have been a Dave Aranda type slingshot back? Um, well, here, okay, here's a good question. Yeah. Would you rather have Matt Rule or Dave Aranda? Uh, Matt Rule, I think. I yeah. would rather have Dave Aranda. That, I think that is like the entire philosophy di- huh. disagreement we're having here. With If you do have a coach that doesn't have a giant record of success, I would rather have a scheme guy over a CEO guy. I don't know, dude. I'm watching a CEO guy. Now, I know Kelly, Brian Kelly. But, that, but that's the difference is Brian Kelly guy. had 25 years of success. That is. Yes. But that's what I'm saying. But 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 at, but at some point, that CEO guy is young, right? And he is forming that process. And I it appears that Matt Rule has a very effective college process. Uh, but, well, we, we, you know, time will tell. Uh, we will see. Uh, okay, back to Lane Kiven. Lane staying in Oxford. Uh, I think the only thing that fascinates me about this, um, I like uh, in a lot of ways at the beginning of this conversation, I thought that Lane going and starting over in Auburn did not make a lot of sense, right? Uh, why would you go die between Kirby and Nick? Why would you uh, accept all the weird expectation and pressure and odd culture of Auburn when I don't miss your beloved. I mean, certainly watching the egg bowl a couple nights ago from when Lane Kiffin's son is on the shoulders of the players blowing the fire extinguisher on the sideline. And then it's like him and two of his boys, like running around on the sideline that ain't going to fly at Auburn. You gotta be a little more buttoned up a little more August, a little more like, <laughs> we take this seriously. Um, so like, there's a lot that I just feel like Lane had so much going for him at Ole Miss. Maybe not even record-wise, right? Because that's what we can get into. This has been fascinating now. But um, just in terms of he, he he had a blank check. He had a, just, a, just, a, just a built-in yes to whatever he needs. I need more NIL money. I want to be paid more money. Um, we need more uh, – we need facilities here. We need commitment here. And, yeah, maybe they don't have the resources of an Auburn, but he's also not getting any pushback. And to these college football head coaches who 
are absolute control freaks, right? Now, the great ones, I think, can delegate, but the majority of them are used to being lords of their little fiefdom where it's kind of insane. Like, if a college coach gets good enough, not even the AD can check him. Like, he is the literal lord. Like, in a Game of Thrones medieval type of sense, like, his word is law. And so when all of a sudden everything you say goes, like Lane Kiffin has in Oxford right now, then um, I think that's very tempting. There's also something to be said for staying content. There's also something to be said for he's had big jobs before. And if he wanted to leave for another big job, he probably could. But why run the risk of whatever Auburn is right now? It's just, it's, it, I, I guess I understand a lot of the reasons why I stayed. Now, the reason why I say it surprised me is because I had gotten talked over that I was wrong about um and i well right or wrong is probably a weird way to frame this uh but i just kind of come around to the idea that okay no maybe auburn is the clearly better job and clearly has better resources. they definitely have more of a winning history obviously right that goes without saying and that yeah if anybody's gonna make that move like maybe lane kiff would make it and it was funny on, on my show last week we interviewed like chris lowe uh the richard cross the old miss sideline reporter brian haydad and mississippi state beat right like everybody to a man said they expected Lane to be gone to Auburn. And so why that really interests me is it does beg the question, how much did the John Sokoloff tweet play a role in all of this? How, um, if any, you know, I guess we don't really know. But Lane certainly seems like someone who got made very angry by that report, how it affected his team. They go out there and then lose that game, and he doubles down, basically calling out the reporter for bad information. Well, once he doubled down in that postgame, you couldn't really leave after that. So maybe he was already committed. But then if you already were, why not come out and just unequivocally shut things down? Maybe Sexton's telling me he can't. I, I don't know entirely. And and honestly, at the end of the day, it's probably a mixture of everything, right? Sokolov probably pushed him towards a decision that he was maybe already leaning to after flirting with Auburn. And I wonder, Brum, how do you think Auburn feels about this? Now they're going to get Hugh Freeze who's definitely won more big games. We haven't seen him do it in a while, but I guess why I'm asking how Auburn feels about this because you look up, and we said this going into the Egg Bowl, but Ole Miss finished behind Mississippi State. Like, they were top 10, 15 the entire season, and yet they finish 8-4, and 4-4 four, four and four in the SEC behind Mississippi State. Oh, and Ole Miss got to play Vanderbilt. Uh, Mississippi State had to play Georgia. So, like, Mississippi State was arguably the better team in Mississippi. Like, Brum, do you think that Auburn fans still wanted Lane after that finish? I think if there's one thing we've learned about Auburn fans, they have two very separate and equally loud groups of boosters. And my guess is one set of boosters really wants Lane Kiffin, and the other set yeah. of boosters really wants Hugh Freeze. And I believe that, that those two groups are at war with each other and now Hugh Freeze is the consolation prize after they couldn't get Lane Kiffin. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably correct. I just do think it's interesting how Mississippi State got no love all year long, and 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 really it had nothing to do with us objectively uh, judging these teams because they did the exact same thing against all the other SEC teams on their schedule. So it's like we were never objectively judging the teams; we were judging the flow of the season. Because Ole Miss had a very nice schedule that lined up easily for 7-0, and whereas Mississippi State got challenged very early on. We kind of wrote off one and, 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 and you know, crowned the other. And then, again, you look up, and it's Mike Leach and the Bulldogs who finished third in the SC West. So, Lane's got work to do at Ole Miss. Really needs a bowl game to push this to 9-4. and four. I do believe um, Lane Kiffin will be the number one target for 
any other big job that opens, whether that is uh, Oklahoma, Texas, or Alabama in the next few years. I think Lane Kiffin will. I think Lane Kiffin will remain to be the hottest name for a while. I believe, unless um, they go eight and four again next year, right? I think there is a group of people who will always like the idea of Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin's been a lot of places. He's had success of a lot of places, but he's also rubbed the people the wrong way in a lot of places. So I, I think eight, I think people expect Old Miss to go eight and four. I don't think people look at Old Miss's eight and four years a failure. Okay, I, I I think that's fair, but I wonder if that changes in the context of winning ten games in the regular season last year. And I'm not saying I think. Look, I actually I've seen from many Ole Miss fans they're ecstatic to retain Lane, and that they're like, yeah, eight and four, eight and four is cool with us. Uh, but if you are, hmm, we'll see. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe eight and four is good enough to keep it's him in that premier good, candidate. Category. It's good enough to keep people at him happy with the people at Ole Miss who want him to be there. And it's good enough to keep him in the mix for the top coaching candidate at the true blue blood, blue blood jobs. Yeah. That's what I think. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's a fair point. It's a fair point. We will, we will see again though. I feel like you really want that bowl game to push to nine and four over eight and five. Like nine and four still sounds like, oh, that's a pretty damn good year. Eight and five feels ugh, very middling. Tastes a little bland. Like you need some seasoning on that thing. Um, see, Cody Brunet is kind of right about this, though. The Ole Miss people are pissed off, though, because of last week. I mean, yeah, that is kind of true. Yeah, I mean, again, could he have handled it better? It kind of continue to play games throughout, um, and then you lose the – whatever, they just needed to win the Egg Bowl. Right. I mean, the old Miss people are pissed because you lost the Egg Bowl. And those fan bases are absolutely insane about the Egg Bowl. It was a wonderful, uh, wonderful little Thursday night treat on Thanksgiving. All right. That'll do it for the afternoon session of Snaps. Uh, we got Aaron Murray coming up late night tonight, Brum. Is that correct? TBD. TBD on that. Um, I mean, honestly, all the big action, action happened right here, right? We'll see what happens to the USC tonight, Notre Dame. Um, obviously, your boy will be out here locally watching a little LSU A&M. Shout out to everybody joining us for the first time today. Really hope you enjoyed it. Loved getting a dive deep on some Ohio State, Michigan. And, um, again, sign up for the FanDuel Sportsbook app, promo code SNAPS. Please, please, please go sub to the SNAPS podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever, rate, review it, all that. Um, like and subscribe to the Volume Sports YouTube channel. Thank you to Papa Colin Cowherd for uh, making this all happen. And a huge thank you to our excellent producer, Ryan Brumley, uh, PG, Pat Gunner, Paulie Walnuts, Paul Ferryton, Danny Cardenas, um, everybody at the Volume, Aaron Murray, who just had a new kid. Congratulations to him. Has a baby about it. just a couple of days old. It's awesome. Um, love y'all so much. Uh, I hope you all have a wonderful college football Saturday. I'll talk to you again on Monday. Take it easy.